Hey, so glad you're here to join us as we are, are uh, in our, as Mike said, our second uh, uh, week of the series called Seven. And again, that word, uh, that number in the Bible means complete. So what we're trying to look at for seven weeks is kind of our complete life. And for many of us in this room, uh, those of us who have kids, uh, that takes up a lot of our life. And uh, if you're a kid, uh, you're stuck with that. I mean, you get parents all the time, and that's a lot of their life. So we're, we're going to talk about that today, but I also, not just in the parenting aspect, I want to really encourage all of you here uh, today who don't have kids. <clears throat> I, didn't get, I didn't get married until I was 34. And, uh, and so in light of that, I, had, I was an uncle for a long time. Anybody in here don't have kids, but you're an aunt or an uncle? Wow, sweet. I bet your niece and nephews love you. Yeah, awesome. That's great. Hey, uh, and, and, and even if you don't have nieces and nephews, I mean, I used to pour my life into those guys, but I'll never forget my lead pastor back in, at Kensington. Uh, he really looked to me to pour into his kids, and he told me that often. Just, uh, in fact, my nickname was Dave Fun Nelson but with, with, in their house, and that was just part of my deal, was to get into their home and to love their kids. So whether you're um, a parent today or an aunt or an uncle or just I don't even have that combination. I know you know somebody who has kids. And what we're going to talk about today is impacting that next generation, no matter who we are. <clears throat> and so for me, uh, when I think about it, because all of us, we, we're where we are because of a path that was laid for us, okay? I mean, if, if you just stop and think about it, <clears throat> there are some things that are me because of some stuff that just got driven into me when I was a kid. Um, I'm from Lapeer, Michigan, okay? La- wow, sweet. <laughs> Man, that never happens. That was fun. Uh, but uh, being from Lapeer, Michigan, it was just this kind of a ho-dunk little bedroom community uh, for the factory workers out there. There's a few things that are just part of me because of the way my mom and dad were. My mom and dad grew up on farms in Weberville, Michigan. You know, good old Weberville, middle of nowhere. And um, stuff just didn't matter to my mom and dad. You know, day after day after day. We had what we needed, but we never really had what we wanted. You know, anybody else grow up like that? You know, that was just, that was a daily experience. And that's just kind of made me partly who I am and how Susie and I handle our money and things that we're doing with our life. Um, every spring, we had gardens. My mom and dad were all about canning. Anybody have to do that? Man, we had to, we had to weed and plant and take care of gardens. Every summer, we grew up on seven acres. It would take me all day long just to mow the lawn, you know? And you'd be out there and you'd mow the lawn. We heated our house with wood. So every fall, you went out and you cut down wood every weekend, every night, so it was loaded up for the winter. See, that was something that happened to me every spring, every summer, every fall, and it created this kind of work ethic that just is a part of what I want to be and who I am today. Uh, My dad was a phys ed teacher. He coached football, basketball, and baseball. Any questions? All right, we know that about me. All right. Um, But he was also the choir director at our church. And my mom was the piano teacher. Every day, every day there were piano in there. And every day I had to practice my piano. I played the baritone in the band. Any other euphoniums out there? Yeah, one in the back. Thank you. Oh, that's Eric. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we used to sit next to each other. Um, I tried to quit the band. I hate, how do you play football and be in the band? It was really tough. I tried to quit the band. My mom and dad wouldn't let me. And so music just got driven into me. And that's a part of who I am today. Where I grew up, um, I literally thought everybody's dad was a factory worker. Uh, Lapeer, Michigan, literally, everybody's dad either was in Pontiac or Flint or Detroit to work in the car factory. I'm gonna, I shared this years ago. It was pretty funny, but this is just how, I, I'm serious. I grew up with sports, music, and factories. So I go to college at Oakland University. I sit down there, and half the guys on my floor are majoring in engineering. And I'm going, engineering? I go, I know these guys aren't trying to drive trains. 
I literally had no clue what an engineer was. None. Because that's who we are. And so you guys, you all have that too. We all have paths that have gotten us to where we are today. Because they're patterns that are established. And so that's what, that's what we're doing, okay? Um, I grew up, again, out in the woods, okay? When my dad built our home, he built the whole home. It was just woods, completely. So eventually, though, what we did is we cleared certain areas, and we made path. We walked, right? That's how, how do paths get formed? You just walk in the same place over and over and over again. And eventually, you have your paths. We had them in the field. There was wheat everywhere, and then there was a path. There was woods everywhere, and then there was a path because it's something that repeatedly is done. And then we have paths for our life. It's so funny. Now when I go home, there's no paths. It's all been grown over, and there's nothing there anymore. So as, pat- as parents, we're establishing paths right now. Uh, this week was birthday week in the Nelson home. Mariah turned nine on Tuesday, and Caleb turned five on Thursday. And I'm establishing some paths as well. This is one of them right here. Just wanted to show you this real quick. Or maybe not that quick, but there we go. Yeah, there you go. Even eating this, actually show, show the other one here. This is uh, my pride and joy. There he is right there. That's my pride. That, that helmet fit me. I, I, I tell you, that thing is huge for a little thing. So, but that, that's one of the, the patterns that we're, we, you just, we, we, I'm into that. Next thing you know, my kids are into that. Uh, another pattern I'm establishing at home is I come home and my kids' clothes are, uh, coats are everywhere, all over the floor. And I just go, you guys, I put up these hooks. Can't you put the coat on the hooks, right? And then I'm trying to run out of the door and I'm late and where's my coat? It's on the, I don't know where it is. That's the problem. I don't use the hooks either. I'm establishing patterns in my life with my kids. All right, here we go. What kind of pattern? You guys, because here's the deal. If you're a parent, you know this, right? You are impacting your kids. You just are. And if you have a significant relationship with other kids, if you're a teacher, coach, music instructor of any sort, you are establishing patterns. Okay, so let's, what kind of pattern do we want to establish? Here we go. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Remember this one from January? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I have given you today are to be upon your hearts. It means to be within your heart. And then it says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, you know what's so interesting? The word impress right there, impress them on your children. The word means this. Repeat it. Repeat it. It also can mean sharpen, which is interesting to me because if you're going to sharpen your skills, right, you're going to be better at something, you're going to sharpen your skills, what do you do? You, you practice, which means you're doing what? You're repeatedly doing it. See, so what God is telling us, if you're a parent here today, he's making, this is point blank, black and white, really clear. <laughs> Listen, I have shared stuff with you, and I'm asking you now, repeatedly, Create a path. That's how you create a path, is you do it over and over and over and over and over again. And then eventually our kids are going to go down paths like all of us have. And that's our job. And so when I think about this, because obviously there's a million things I could talk about. You know, there's parenting books out the gazoo. You know, I'm not going to try and tell you how to parent your kids and all those strategies. Go read your favorite one. I don't care. 
But what I want to do is say this. Out of all the different ways that we can impact, when we say, man, I want my kid to be complete. Right? I want my, that word, if you were here, it means to be mature. It means you've reached your fullness. If I want my child to get to that point, there's probably lots of things that you're hoping you would see in your, in your kids or in your nieces or nephews. Uh, here's a list. I'd like for them to be kind and compassionate. I, I'd love for them to be no respecter of persons, to be a hard worker, to have integrity, to be honest. I want my kids to be successful. You know what they do. There's lots of things. But you guys, here's what I want to talk to you about today. The greatest impact, because we are impacting our kids, the greatest impact that we have is we actually create a picture for our kids of what God is like. Now, that's scary to me. But it's true. We create a picture of what God is like as parents. And so one of the most important things that we can do is somehow we need to help create a path repeatedly that's going to lead our kids into a chance to understand who God is. I love Psalm 1611. It says, you have made known to me, the psalmist is saying this to God, you have made known to me the path of life. I mean, that's what I want for my kids, don't you? I mean, what life, the fullness of everything that they could have. You'll fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, right, and my righteousness, and then everything else will take care of itself. See, there's lots of things I want to see my kids have. But I think what I want to talk to you about today is if I can somehow help create a path by repetition that helps my kids understand who God is and also helps them to know what his ways are so that they can actually be in the path of life, man, now that will be huge. And so, um, so let's pray, because as I go through this, I've got some pretty practical, laid-down stuff for all of us to be able to grab onto. And again, I, I just want to encourage you, even right now, to just open up your hearts to realize, okay, if, if you impact kids in any way, that maybe just today, God might reveal something to you to help you be better at doing it, okay? And to be more complete as a parent, as an aunt and uncle, as a teacher, as a coach, um, as a friend. All right, let's pray. Father, it's pretty cool that we call you that, um, to know that you want to be that intimate and that close to us. And I just uh, pray to you right now because, man, every child that's represented in this room today, it matters to you. Um, You've created them. You tell us you already know the plans that you have for them. You gave them a unique personality, a unique physical appearance abilities, talents, passions. And there's a reason for all of that. Lord, and I just pray today that you might give us a vision for the kids that we have in our mind right now. And I ask you, just put those those kids in your mind right now. And I pray that you might reveal to us how we can best completely impact them so that they can know you and so that they can find the life that you created them to have. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, the first thing, and actually this is the whole thing, <laughs> is that we need to really represent him well. If, 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 uh, if we are representation of God, if our kids are going to understand him a little bit through who we are, then we need to represent him well. And there's tons of things that I could go through that. I just want to share with you one verse, and this is what I'm going to teach from today. 
In John chapter 1, verse 14, when John was helping us to understand what Jesus was like, coming from God, he said this, The Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. And I can't get into the depths of this, but the Word, everybody understood that to be the, the whole idea of the rational presence in the spiritual realms. That presence, whether, you know, uh, whether people believed in, in God in the Jewish sense or not, they understood, and even in the Greek sense, that this meant the actual forming, creative, powerful source of life, the Word. And, Paul, and, and John says the Word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory. We've seen God. We've seen what he's like. We've seen the one and only who came from the Father. And here's what I want to talk about today. What was the glory of Jesus? He came full of grace and truth. He came full of grace and truth. And I think for us, if we're going to be good parents, good impactors of the next generation, that what we need to do is make sure that they are experienced in fullness, grace, and truth, because that is a full representation of God, all right? So let's talk about grace. Uh, there's a lot to it, man. There's a, the, the Bible, we, should, we could talk forever about grace. Kind of the base definition, though, is this. It's just everybody for years has just said it's undeserved favor. It's undeserved favor. In other words, the one thing we can know about God is he shows you favor even when you don't deserve it. And so if you know anything at all about God, and if you are a follower of Christ today, you know that's really true. Because you know you were living a life that maybe wasn't exactly real pleasing to him. And even in the midst of that, he said, I choose you. You're the one I love. You're the one I want. You didn't deserve it. You didn't work for it. He just showed it to you. That's grace. And I'm telling you, man, our kids need this so bad. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, I, I love this, says this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, okay? God our Father, our Heavenly One. He loved us, and by his grace, by his undeserved favor towards us, he gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. See, guys, as we talk about a path, I really believe that what grace does is establish the path. It makes it firm. Look at these words. I think when when I've experienced grace from God and when I have had undeserved favor, it brings you courage. That's what encouragement means. It means you give courage. It also gives you confidence. It gives you strength. It gives you security. It's like when you know, holy smokes, even if I'm not everything I'm supposed to be, this person is going to love me anyway. I mean, that's, that's really powerful. And so right now, for you, if you don't really know the Christian God yet, the one thing that you can know about the Christian God is he says, I love you right now. Like right now. I, I, it doesn't matter what you've done or what you're doing or who you are. Right now. You don't deserve nothing. That's just the right time for me to love you. It's his grace. And so when you try to think about running on a path that's not, that's not, you ever tried to run on a rough path? <laughs> okay, like run a race on a rough, uh, I took some kids backpacking uh, back when I was doing youth ministry in, in Detroit, and uh, we went up to the Upper Peninsula, and, and I'll never forget, it's the Blue Diamond Path. Anybody ever done the Blue Diamond? It actually goes all the way from, you can take it all the way from the, uh, the uh, mountains in New York, and it comes all the way across, 
And the path, every once in a while, there'll be every about 20 yards, there's another blue diamond stuck on a tree. But there's nothing on the ground. There's no path. You have no idea where you're going. Half the time, we were just scrabbling through stuff, and we were having to bust through and just getting scrapes, and it was just nasty, and it was really muddy. In fact, you know how on a trip, you always have one person who's like whiny and crying and just can't handle it? You know, we had a girl like that on the trip, and of course, there's this really muddy section, and she walks in, and she gets down, and she pulls it out, and it, her, her boot actually comes off and stays in the mud. See, I mean, see, what happens, you guys, is we have paths. Every one of us, again, is creating a path for our life. And what grace does is it clears the path. It clears it. I'll never forget at the very end, finally breaking through and coming to a broad, clean path where you could just walk. It's like, finally. See, I really believe that when we don't give, get grace, and if you're a parent and you don't have favor towards your kids, but what would be the opposite of that? You have conditions for your kids. I'll love you as long as. If you, then you. See, now there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things where we're training them up, but one thing your kid and my kid better never question is whether I have absolute, complete, no matter what you do, favor towards you. Now, you can do stuff to hurt our relationship, right? I mean, kids can do that. You can harm our relationship. You cannot listen to me. You can have to sit in time, all that kind of stuff. So we'll get to that in a minute. There's a lot of that going on too. But even when that's happening, they need to know I have absolute undeserved favor towards you because I believe that what trips us up and what causes us to have obstacles and muddy stuff and you can't just run on the path are all the conditions. Work for it and then you can get my love. That's horrible. It's just horrible. And what grace does is lays a really firm foundation where you know no matter what you do, I'm your dad. No matter what you do, I love you. No matter what, that's grace. And it is critical, critical, you guys, that we establish that for us. I love this. I just found this verse. It's so cool. Psalm 119.32 says this. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Can I just say that again? I, I, I found it too late to get it up on the screen. Can I just say that again? I run. I don't <laughs> you know, try to get through. I know I run on the path of your commands because you've set my heart free. Now, can I ask you guys, what else sets a heart free but knowing that no matter what you do, you're loved? See, see how this relates to God, you guys? Some of you are sitting here, and you've grown up your whole life feeling like God's up there going if and when and waiting to whack you when you screw. And you're just, you have, you felt like some paths are like ice. You know, you feel like if you step through, you're going to crash through. Sometimes our parents are so delicate that we have to walk like this because we don't want to do anything wrong because if I do, bam! And you guys have grown up and feel like God's that way. And so I'm telling you, if we can establish for our kids, nothing, ah, nothing will stop me from loving you. Then when you run into God, when your kid runs into God, and he's a father, you go, oh, well, that must mean he's going to love me forever. That must mean he's just going to love me. See, and some of you ran into God, and you go, oh, scared to death of him, because that's what you grew up with. Man, you guys, this was my mom. This was my mom. 
Hmm. The day she died, all of us kids sit there and we just said, man, we just lost our cheerleader. She was the one person that I knew loved me no matter what. No matter what. And I can't believe like the confidence that I had as a kid. I was so schizophrenic because I didn't think like anybody liked me and I was scared to death and feared rejection of everybody and yet I was absolutely confident at the same time. I mean, seriously, it was really, I mean, seriously, I, I took some psychological tests to go into seminary and the guy who took all the tests looked at me and he goes, man, it's really interesting <laughs> because you're like f- afraid of everything and everybody, but it doesn't stop you. See, I do, I still, today, am schizophrenic in that way. I face stuff all the time that scares the bejeebies out of me. And I really believe that God used my mom to also provide security to say, even if it scares them out of me, I'm going. You can produce that in your kids. You can give them a foundation. It brings joy and peace. It makes you comfortable on one hand. Totally does. Like, oh, I'm with my mom. Everything's good. And on the other hand, though, it, cur- it encourages you it encourages you to take any risk. If you're not a risk taker today, my guess would be it's because you don't know if it's, if you're gonna, if it's gonna be okay to take the risk. You don't have a firm foundation. Oh, you guys, I tell you one thing. One thing, I mean, you know, marriage is good. Parenting for us is really hard. It really is. You know, it's, two people have asked us recently, hey, can you tell us about parenting? And we're like, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> There's this good book, you know, you could read. Um, But I can tell you this. My kids, one thing my kids are going to know, nothing will ever stop me from loving you. I want them to run because I want their hearts to be free. Now, let me just give you two important things about grace, you guys, as a parent or anybody else. Let me just real quick on sports. I was talking to Rut, Mike Rutledge just a couple days ago. And we were talking about how in basketball, like he had one time, I had the same thing, but he had a coach. Mike played college ball. And he had a coach who just said, it's like he knew if he took a shot and missed, he'd get pulled. See, now if you know that, how many shots are you going to take? You know, none. (laughs) So there's no confidence in that, man. No, I mean, so much of the time, a coach, a good coach, one of the things you do is you believe in them and you set them free. And so you guys, but here's two things about grace, okay? Number one is initiated. It's initiated. You are saved by grace. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him to me. See, God always comes first. He doesn't go, hey, get to church, join a CTC, serve here, start tithing, do all the right things, get all your books in order, and then I'll check it all out and see if I'll let you be my child. (laughs) See, I mean, and some of you think that's exactly what he's doing. You're trying really hard to please God. You've got it so messed up. That is, that is from the pit of hell, period, from the pit of hell. Grace is initiated. So if you're a parent, you don't sit there and wait for your kid to get their act together, and then I'll love you. No, you get in there, and you love them. You initiate it. And here's the other thing. It's initiated, and it's communicated. <laughs> See, because some of you might do it, but you never tell them. And I, can I just speak to all you men here for a second? Seriously, because women are a whole lot better at this than most of us. I'm telling you right now, if you've got a girl and she doesn't hear from you every freaking day 
how beautiful she is, you're blowing it. Initiate it. Tell her how awesome she is. If you've got a little boy and you're not looking at him and his football thing and I'm throwing in the ball and it's hitting it off his head and he grabs it, I'm like, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> Here, you know, his helmet's halfway around his head, you know. <laughs> dude, you're amazing. I mean, see, see, because seriously, for some reason, what's in every man is we want to know that we have what it takes. And if you never hear from your dad, you're awesome. You're incredible. You've got what it takes. You know what you will? You will spend the whole rest of your life trying to prove to everybody else that you have what it takes. Don't raise your hand, right, men? You're doing it right now. I'm telling you, as a dad, I want my kid to know. I want him to be free to take risks because he knows. So I got to initiate it and I got to communicate it. So I want you to stop right now. I want to give you one minute, and that's it. Seriously, one minute. Grab your paper, grab your pen, and I want you to write down at least one kid's name. Do as many as you want. And I want you to think about this week, right now here today, how are you going to initiate grace? Okay? Right now. How are you going to initiate grace with a kid? And how are you going to communicate it? Pick a kid. If you don't have your own, See if one just popped into your head. A friend's, a friend's kid. Maybe it's a single parent's kid. Where you could be that person to step in where they have a hole. What are you going to do this week? And how are you going to communicate it? And I just want to tell you guys, because if you'll do that repeatedly, repeatedly, day after day, day after day, no matter what they do, you love them. No matter what they do, you initiate grace towards them every day, every day, every day, every day. Eventually, a path starts to get formed, and it gets solid, and your kids will know, I'm good to go. And then let me say it one more last time. And then, when they run into God. And when they start to figure out who he is, and it's revealed that he's a father, they're going to understand grace. And it'll make them, as I'm going to read here, it'll make them wise to salvation. See, because if you're working right now to please God to get salvation, it doesn't work that way. All right, so let me kind of move into truth now. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says this. Sorry. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. Okay? So Paul's talking to Timothy here, which, by the way, he calls him his son all the time. Timothy, my son. He wasn't his biological son. So again, if you're sitting here today and you don't have a biological child, you can have a child. You can have a kid. You can have someone that you pour into. And he says, come on, Timothy, remember this. You've learned it and become convinced of it because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through Christ. From infancy make you wise unto salvation, which is what? By faith. It's not by works. 
It's not by works. So, establish grace in your home. Now, truth. That's the other side of it, right? Because some of you are really good at loving your kids, and then when it comes time to tell them anything hard or speak truth, you just can't do it. And you know what? It, 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 it can be a solid path, and it goes anywhere. <laughs> just, I, I remember talking to Ryan Coley doing youth ministry here. He's like, wow, Dave. I, I mean, parents aren't involved in our kids' lives at all. They're just, they're, just, they're just running all over the place. They have no idea. You guys, here's what we need to remember. <laughs> if we love our kids, we'll also represent the truth. Okay? Not every path is right. It's not. Oh, man, went to Elton John and Billy Joel on Friday night. I could have died and gone to heaven. I'm serious. It was like a bucket list thing for me, man. It was so, being an 80s child, it was just fantastic. We were meeting uh, Mike and Susie Rutledge there. They plugged in uh, Blue Iguana. We were going to meet the Blue Iguana for dinner. They plugged in Blue Iguana into their GPS, and they ended up in the avenues. And they they got to somebody's house, and it says, you have arrived. (laughs) See, it's not the right path. And sometimes you plug in something, people are trying to find the fullness of life and the path that leads to life, and they go down a certain thing and they feel like they've arrived. And then you've heard the statement too, you climb up the ladder trying to get up, and then all of a sudden you realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. See, there's a path that isn't right. And not every path is good. Some will downright destroy you. I, I, was, I remember early on we took our staff to, to go hiking, and all our kids were really little, right? And there were places where there's like drop-offs, <laughs> See, on that, you don't go, hey, just go down the path, right? You don't just send them off there. No, I mean, you're watching them because some things are not going to be good. I, I remember this was really good. I remember Ashlyn, she was developing a pattern early on of sticking peas in her nose. You know, I don't, I don't know, every, every once in a while, we'd look over and just, she's just stuffing stuff up her nose, you know? And so we'd get the tweezers and we'd pull them out. And, and one time she stuck one way up there. I'm like, golly. And I look up there and I pull the tweezer and I squished it. And I couldn't get it out. And I mean, it's way up there. And I'm like, oh my God, we, we got to go to the doctor because she has a pee up her nose? I mean, this is ridiculous. So, so I went in the kitchen and I found a straw. And I stuck it up her nose. <laughs> Sucked it out. <laughs> Save her life. See, it's amazing what you'll do as a parent. To save a few dollars. <laughs> you know. I mean, you love your kids. You'll do anything because some things aren't just good for them. You don't go, just stick those peas up your nose. No. Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, again, it said, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. God has said, I'm going to reveal to you what is right and what is good and what is true and now do something repeatedly. So how do we impress and repeat and sharpen these things with our kids? Okay, 2, Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this. All scripture, and Jesus said too, he said, sanctify them by the truth. Uh, your word is truth. Your word is truth. So all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You guys, if we're going to represent truth, there's four things here that we need to do. Teach, I'm going to do it in this order. Teach, train, rebuke, and correct. Because if we don't do that, our kids will not be thoroughly equipped. What's the seven series about? It's about being complete, about being mature. 
I'm telling you, nobody ever reaches fullness of any sport, any musical thing, any avenue of your business, nothing without some tough stuff as well. And our job as a parent, if you're just mushy-gushy parent, man, here's your time, okay, to figure out what this means. Number one, and I got this from a church down in, uh, I met a guy, he's a church called Sun Valley down in Phoenix. I, I love how they, how they um, did this. Here's what teaching is. You might want to write these down. Teaching is showing the path to walk on. We, it's our job. God has said, hey, listen, I've given you the commands. You impress them on your children. Do it over and over and over again. And the point is, you guys, we do, we do this all the time. We teach all the time. Uh, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Um, and I know some of you right now are sitting here and going, okay, you might be able to teach, you know, different things. But you sit, when it comes to the Bible, you're just going, dude, my kids are teaching me. <laughs> In fact, I, I've had that conversation with a number of people because so, so many of you are brand new, you know, and your kids are going to Adventure Canyon <laughs> and they're coming home and they're teaching you stuff. And, and, and so you're sitting there going, Maybe, how, I don't know how to teach. Well, one of the greatest things, I should have brought one up here, Tammy, make sure I get one second service, is when you go pick up your kid today, they have a sheet sitting there right for you that can help you do this that can walk with your kids about the very thing that they're learning on Sunday morning, now you can impress it, you can repeat it, and you can go through it with them at home, okay? So if you're missing something, uh, there's a tool available to you. But you guys, it's so critical that you and I, it's very easy to say, go AC, and they do. But it's also important for us that we're teaching our kids as well, okay? Because it shows them the path to be on. The second one, he says, is then you have to train them. Now, training is it shows you how to stay on the path. Okay, teaching says, here is the path. Training is what helps you to stay on the path. And this is the building of character. Okay? Because to stay on a path, it takes strength, it takes endurance, it takes the ability to say yes or no to things. And you guys, this is not fun, right? This is the the part of parenting that just stinks. Because it's hard. You know, uh, write this down. One of my favorite passages in all the Bible because God is my parent and my father and he likes to do this to me. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, starting with verse 7, talks about us in our own life. It says, endure hardship as discipline. And this isn't spanking discipline. This is the word that means training. It means to build them up. He goes, because God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're an illegitimate child and not true sons. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. See, again, God wants you to be complete. Then he goes, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. No kidding. (laughs) But painful. Okay? Does this sound like your home? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained up under it. You guys, if you are softy, you've got to know that if you're not training your child and causing them, giving them responsibilities and working them along and building stuff up within them, there is a harvest of righteousness and peace. There's completeness waiting for them, thoroughly equipped. But man, we've got to do this part of it. And I can I just say, too, I think this is where sports and arts really do make a difference. 
Because I know, man, when you're in sports and you have a coach who actually believes in you and he trains you and he beats you up and he makes you, well, not beat you up, sorry. But he, it feels like it, but he, he makes you run and do things you don't want to do. You're building this ability to do what you would never do. And it's strengthening you. And the same thing with music, hours upon hours, practicing and all that kind of stuff so that you can play something that's beautiful. I want my kids to have a beautiful life. I want them to be absolutely everything that God created them to be. That will never happen without training. Man, we got to give them responsibilities. You know, we got a little checklist up on the refrigerator, you know, trying to help them to do so that they can learn that they can do stuff. Because then, as they get older in life, it'll help them to know and to stay on the path. Because we've trained them to have a strength of character. All right? The third one is rebuking. <laughs> That's a fun word. Rebuking is where it shows, when we rebuke, it shows where you've gotten off the path. That's all it is. See, that's what God does for us. Hey, I still want you to live life. I'm going to teach you what it is. I'm going to train you so you can stay up on it. And when you get off it, I'm actually going to let you know. Uh, Proverbs 15.10 says, Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path. He who hates correction will die. Stern discipline awaits the person who gets off the path. But what's discipline for? Which we'll get to next. It's to get you back on. But we've got to let our kids know if they're off the path. You know, I mean, this is it. You know, people fly down our street, okay? Susie's, I mean, she, I mean our kids go out the front door. It's like, okay, I mean, we're watching. If a kid starts heading down the street, what? You know, I mean, we're just, sorry, sorry. But I mean, you will scream and you will yell because you know that's not, you could potentially die. You got to correct them when they're going off the wrong thing. But here's the deal with this one, you guys. When you're rebuking, and I mean, in the heat, heat of the moment, it's hard. But we need to rebuke by speaking the truth in love. In love. I, I, I'll see if I can share the story real quick. But I remember being a junior in high school and um, taking my brother to uh, uh, like a, it'd be like a high school event at church, kind of like our fusion would do. And uh, so I took him there, but there was a party going on as well. So I took my brother to the thing, hung out for about an hour, and then I found somebody who would take him home. And then I went to the party, Right? And then, uh, I'll never forget, Sunday night, I'm in bed, my mom came down and sat down next to me. She goes, so hey, what'd you do Friday night? I said, oh, I went to the youth thing, you know, with Mike. And then she goes, what else did you do? I tell you, moms know everything. <laughs> they are the Holy Spirit. It's just weird. So I'm sitting there, and I knew it. I knew I was dead, and I go, I, I went to Marsha's party. And I'll never forget, she just sat there, and she goes, man, Dave. She goes, you know what's been really cool for us? Is that we've always known that we could trust you. And she goes, and now, I don't know if I can. And she got up and she walked out. Now, see, my mom laid a huge path of grace for me, right? She's the one I knew loved me. And to know that I just broke her heart and that she couldn't trust me. Man, that next day I called up my girlfriend and I said, that will never happen again. I will never do that again to my mom. Now, my mom could have gone in, what I heard you? You know, and, you know, then I would, you know, and, uh, but I didn't. So speak the truth in love when it's time to rebuke. Because I think that's what God does. Okay? And here's the last one. Then you got to correct them. And what is that is? Correcting is showing them how to get back on the path. Okay? I'm going to rebuke you. and show you how you've gotten off it. Now I'm going to help you get back on. How do you get back on the path? Okay, guys. This is where the rubber hits the road. 
and I'm talking about as much as you with God as I am about your kids with you. The key is you got to remember how good the path was. See, the Bible says that kindness, God's kindness, leads us to repentance. When you know how good he is and how much he loves you and that everything he has for you is right, then you want to get back on the path. He also says that godly sorrow works repentance, but worldly sorrow brings death. I mean, if your kids feel shame and they feel like they can't ever be what you need them to be and now you're reaming them for what they aren't doing, that's worldly sorrow, man. It'll lead to death. But godly sorrow leads to life. The prodigal son, go read it. It's just, I mean, here's this guy who basically says, I wish you were dead, Dad. Can I have everything you were going to give me? Sure. Goes off, parties like an animal. Eventually his life's falling apart. And what's he remember? Wow, that was actually better back home. My servants actually have it better than I do right now. So what's he do? He says, I'm going to come home. Why? Because he knew his dad would love him when he came home. And what does his dad do? It's awesome. He's actually looking for his son, sees him down the road. And what does he do? He runs to him. Throws a freaking party because my son is home. How do you correct and help him to get back on the path? It's the gospel. Absolute full forgiveness. Absolute full acceptance. You learned your lesson? I love you. And it'll bring kids home. That's what God does for us, you guys. And again, we can lay the foundation like that so our kids can find the path of life. So they can be everything that God created them to be. And when they run into God, they'll have a chance to know who he was. So now... Um, in closing, let me just share real quickly. Um, I just want to hit really quickly those of you who, not just parents right now. <laughs> Help me get through this one. My path has led me to here. And when I think about it, there is no way in God's green earth I should ever be here. <laughs> this is, it's re- pretty ridiculous if you knew my whole story of how I'm, why I'm here. You know why I'm here? I'm here first and foremost um, my mom grew up in a really fun home. Not a godly home, but a really fun one. <laughs> my aunts and uncles, they were awesome farmers, you know, man, cussing, mania, just, you know, it was awesome. When my mom uh, was a little girl, a neighbor would pick her up and take her to Sunday school. Someday when I get to heaven, I'm going to meet this woman who picked up my mom and took her to Sunday school. Sunday school, for my mom, was the very thing that helped her to believe in God. To the point where, when she was 12 years old, she started praying for her kids. See, all of us, we look at each other, all of us kids and go, why in the world are we way we are? We shouldn't, we shouldn't be like this. The only answer we have is because my mom started praying for us when she was 12, and the only reason she started praying for us when she was 12 was because somebody picked her up, saw her worth at the time, and took her to Sunday school. When my mom and dad got married, it's not like they really understood the depths of Christianity and how I want to live for Jesus, but they just knew that going to a good church would be a good thing. Carl Shiflett taught my Sunday school class. That goofball. He, He would greet us at the door every day and love on us. Is Eric, Eric, you still in here? Remember that dude? I mean, Eric and I both, we just, here we are sitting here in Salt Lake City. We had some goofball, bald little guy who just loved on us when we were in fourth grade. 
When I was a junior in high school, you know, our youth group was, parents told us not to drink and don't have sex. That worked really well. And uh, um, when I was a junior in high school, Keith and Sandy Atwood took over our youth program. Jeez. I've never seen, we'd never seen anybody love Jesus like that. Our little fledgling group of about eight immediately started to grow. And friends at school started showing up because somebody who loved Jesus started pouring into our lives. My life was going, and my sister met Bill Urie. And he poured into my life. Is that right for this? And I found my freaking life. The path that leads to life. Because I had people, not just my mom and dad, but others who poured into my life. And I just, and here we are, you guys, we have a chance to lay a path for the next generation. And I want Tammy, if you'd come up real quick. Um, I don't know what mic I'm supposed to use now. Uh, Here's one. Tammy is our preschool director uh, here at Adventure Canyon, and I just wanted her to come up because, you guys, I just hear story after story after story of God doing amazing things with Adventure Canyon. So why don't you just fill us in on what's going on over there? Yeah, Um, Amazing things, exactly. Um, It's it's a privilege to do what I get to do every week. Um, And I don't say that lightly because to witness what goes on outside of this room uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, it's, it's amazing to see all of the volunteers that we have. They're all so different, but the way they pour out, I mean, they all do it in their own way with their own personalities, but they are really just laying out stone by stone each week. Whatever we do our best to prepare, um, it is doing the same thing each week. But in that repeating, you're building that path and doing, driving home a message to them. And every week, it seems like, we hear stories from parents. A couple months ago now, I had a dad kind of catch me, totally off guard, of course, (laughs) and said, hey, um, we just were here last week for the first time, and his daughter, I think, was like three, really tiny. So um, what was the lesson last week? And I was like... Please remember, please remember. <laughs> you know, and thank God I did remember. Um, and so I said, oh, the lesson was on Elijah being fed by the ravens. You know, not just like Noah's in the ark and blah, blah, blah. Um, so it was a different lesson. So I said, and, you know, we wanted to, the kids to walk away with knowing God provides for me. I mean, you can tell a kid a story, but to get him to understand what, okay, that's cool, ravens came with food. God, how does that affect a three-year-old? Well, God's going to provide for you today. And he said, that is really interesting. I have been listening to my three-year-old girl all week chatter about birds and God giving her food every day in a special way. And I thought, there's no way that she is telling me the story of Elijah. Like, it's not just a story she's heard before. And it was her first time. So she was coming back for the second time. And so that, I mean, that to me, I just, he left and I was like, yes. You know, it's, it, they're getting it. They're getting it. And, you know, just 
I think it was a month ago, our whole theme was Jesus making our hearts clean. You know, a three-year-old might not understand cleansing of sin. So you have to kind of tweak it a little bit. And it was fun. Our routine is we bring the kids to school. I get everybody in. And once we hit the road, I, you know, do the thing. Okay, you're, who are you praying for today? And you get the fun prayer request for different things that, you know, usually it's whatever they see outside as we're driving that we pray for the mountains and whatever else they see, which is fun. And everybody prayed, and our three-year-old Eric looked out the window, and it was quiet. And this is Wednesday, so, and I hadn't been driving home the point all week. So they had, this is Wednesday, we're continuing the conversation in the car. And he looks out, and and his three-year-old, so I don't know if you speak three-year-old, I do very well. He said, thank you, Jesus, you're making my heart clean. (laughs) But drove off the road that... (laughs) And the first thing that came is, wait a minute, the whole thing we talked about on Sunday, Jesus makes my heart clean, translation. So he was thanking God that that day he was making his heart clean, and I was like, you are not even four years old. You know, like, I should be praying this prayer over myself and you guys, and you, you know, you are teaching, you know, me, which was, I mean, that's amazing. That's what's going on outside here, and I was, I was thinking, how can I explain what it's like for those of you that might not have been back and experienced? And it is like Christmas morning, every Sunday morning. I mean, we're like busy bees working all week trying to make these packages. You can imagine, you know the flurry of Christmas. Everybody's excited. You're making these boxes. Oh, how are we going to package it? What are we going to teach the kids? We're doing our best, the, as best as we know, to make it fun how can these kids understand it? And so Sunday morning comes and the buzz and everyone's excited. Last week I heard about kids that are jumping on their parents' bed like, it's Sunday morning, we're going to church. You know, that's how it is, Christmas morning. They're like, get up, we're going to get the presents. And they come in and they are super excited to come in and see what, what's the package today. And our teachers, kudos, because they do... I mean, they are kicking it out. They are doing such a good job of opening this present with the kids. And the present isn't getting to give them this gift because it's theirs. We're just revealing what God has already put in his word. And to see when their little eyes light up and they get it, Hmm. and they're taking it home because now we're hearing, you know, all these reports are trickling in of, hey, my kid said this, my kid did this. And, I mean, it's amazing. It's like... It's like Christmas every time. And I mean, I feel bad for people that only get Christmas once a year. (laughs) You know, I get it every week. Hmm. So it's it's amazing. Awesome. You guys, I I seriously, I hear stories all the time. People, some of you sitting here, it's been your kids that have come and are now starting to pray to God. Mm -hmm. You know, they never did before. One guy told me one time he he, he, uh, didn't want to let his kid go out to play because it just wasn't good for the time. So his little kid looked at him and said, hey, well, can I just go out and tell him about Jesus? And the guy's like, "Uh, no, you can't. So so the little kid went out and he started sharing it with his neighbor. And the dad said, I just stood at the door and just learned. I just listened (laughs) for how he's doing that. You know what I mean? So I just want to encourage you you guys. um, The ministry in Adventure Canyon is doing phenomenal stuff. 
And uh, if you would like to join up, um, we'd love to have you. So yes. how can they, what, I don't know if there's some ways you can just tell them to step up to do that. or Yeah, you can come and um, you can either go to our check-in and we can get your info there. But come up, I'll be standing up here at the end of service. Come up and I'll get your, your info and we can plug you into the right age group that you enjoy working with. Um, we have a spot for everybody if you... You know, like connecting with parents, um, we have spots for you helping check in new families because we are getting new families like never before. If you don't know how many kids, just at this campus, we have about 250 um, on a Sunday. So we have, I think, about like 60 to 70 adults, and we need like, you know, 25, 30 more because, you know, we need to do, we, our heart is to lay out the best foundation to do the best job that we can and the more hands on deck, I mean, it's, it's the kids that really feel, they, I mean, it, it's a blessing, and it's impacting, you know, not just today, not next week, not their, you know, li- their career life, it's eternity, and that's really what we, our mantra is in Adventure Canyon, is what we do on a Sunday impacts eternity, and it's, it is priceless, so if you, if you want to get involved, um, Come join our Christmas morning awesome. every Sunday. Cool. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Tammy. Awesome. Great. Uh, ben, if you guys want to come on up, uh, let's close. Hey, seriously, I just want to encourage you to, to really seriously consider that, um, to know that you could impact a kid's life forever like somebody did mine, like somebody did yours. And you could help lay a path by helping them repeatedly to be loved and to find grace and to be taught truth is huge. Last thing I want to say before we just spend a moment here is this. I know some of you are sitting there going, uh, I always say more words I probably shouldn't say in church, but, um, but you're probably just sitting there saying, man, I, I stink. I, I haven't been doing a good job um, laying grace. Or, or I've been so soft, I, I have not had the courage or strength to represent truth very well, or whatever your issue might be. You guys know the the coolest thing about the Bible is there's this passage in 1 Timothy where Paul just says, man, I thank God. Because I I used to kill Christians. That was my job. I I, I tried to shut this thing down. He goes, I was, in, in fact, I was the worst. I was the absolute worst. But God poured his grace on my life. And he says, you know why he did that? So I could be an example to everybody else. You need to know that today, God has undeserved favor to you. He's your father. He's your father. And he loves you. And if you will, too, turn and get correct and come back and be with him, he will run to you, embrace you, and then he'll be the truth for you, and he'll teach you what the path is. He'll train you up, and he'll keep you on that path. And then you'll be able to be everything that you need to be for your kids. My only hope in parenting is that God will give me grace to do it. And he will. And so let's stand together because we want to close out our service remembering who it is that is our heavenly father and what he is for us and who he is for us. And so let's enjoy that. Let's worship him. Let's give up dad, you know, like Caleb, man. The first day after, the birth, after his birthday, the first day I'm making my coffee, he comes walking, you know, shuffling like this. And he's got his football helmet on and his football. <laughs> came out like this. You know, I mean, my heart was so, I'm just like, oh, thank you. 
you know what? You know what? What God, what we could do to God's heart right now, if we just came with our little thing that, that he's given us and just give it back to him and say, God, I love you. Thank you for loving us. Let's do it.